Today's scripture will come from Romans chapter 9, verses 14 through 21. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So then it is not for him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. For the scripture says to the Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Therefore, he has mercy on whom he wills, and whom he wills, he hardens. He will say to them, Why does he still find fault? For who has resisted his will? But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, Why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? So we talked about grace. Grace is an atmosphere. That atmosphere is created by God for us. He does not create that atmosphere for the world. He does not create that atmosphere for plants or the soil or the atmosphere, or the universe. Grace was made by God for the most important part of his creation, and that was man. Within man, God housed the image of God in Genesis chapter 3, 2 and 3. And then when man fell, he fell in sin. But man needed an atmosphere so that God could work on him, through him, and in him. And that's what grace is. Grace is sufficient. He comes. It comes. It creates within us a desire to follow God. But the problem is, is that death and sin is so radical in its nature that it is persistent till it, it finalizes the death that it pursues in a person. And so right after Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, God had every right as a just, holy God. He had every right to destroy Adam and Eve when he found them in the garden naked, hiding. You know that. You've got to understand that. Why? Because man violated the covenant, the simple covenant, do not touch the tree in the middle of the garden. So he has every right. He has every holiness. He has every righteousness about him to destroy Adam and Eve. And therefore you and I clear down through the ages. See, a lot of people say, well, if he's a just God, why do some people die of cancer? Why do the good people get hurt? If he's such a just God, what's wrong with him? Why doesn't he do this? Why doesn't he make us whole? Why doesn't he heal us? Why did he let me marry that person? If he's such a just God, 
The problem is that in our rationality, in our, in our ability to think and reason and, and make uh, postulations and come to a, a, a conclusion, in our ability because of our fallen intellect, by the way, you understand, my mind and your intellect, no matter what your IQ is, it's fallen. That means it's not as high as it could be or should be. Okay? That's why God constantly says, renew your mind in Romans. Because without a renewal of your mind, we will never know the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Do you understand that you and I, without that renewing of our mind, that means allowing our mind to develop spiritually, because the concept of grace and mercy are spiritual concepts that are only understood, according to Corinthians, by the spirit that lives inside of us. That the Holy Spirit of the living God, when we renew our mind, has, he gives us access to spiritual truths that change our life, that stabilizes our life, that secures our life. That's why I go through the day asking God to fill me with his spirit so that my mind will be renewed. Try it if you don't do it. Try it. Because these two concepts, plus many others, the only two we're talking about last week and this week is grace and mercy. Do you realize that every day, every hour, every minute of your life, God is granting you mercy? God is granting you mercy. What does that mean? He is choosing not to give you what you deserve. Did you know that? I don't think you've ever heard a message like you're going to hear. He chooses not to give you what you deserve. No matter how righteous you think you are. No matter how righteous you think you are. You need the mercy of God every day of your life. Because you're flawed. You're flawed in your thinking. You're flawed in your reasoning. You're flawed in your love and in your relationships. And you're constantly hurting people, making mistakes. But God gives you mercy. And doesn't take you out. How do you like that? Doesn't take you out. He does not give you what you deserve. But he gives you what you don't deserve. And that's grace. Our legal system seems to come close to it. At least it used to. May not now, but it used to. Mercy. You, the, you would come before the judge and the lawyer used to tell him, throw, your, throw yourself on the mercy of the court. In hopes that the court would not give you the full extent of what you deserve. But either lessen it or dismiss it. Our, our court system comes close to that. Why do I say only close to it? Because, see, the holiness of God, who God is, 
is so perfect in his nature that he knows every thought and intent of your life and behavior. When you get mad at your wife or you get mad at your children, when you are critical, God knows the real intent. And let me tell you what, we are not smart enough to know the intent of our heart. Did you know that? We don't. We don't know why somebody makes you mad. We don't know why you don't like them. We don't know why hate enters into our heart or judgment. Because we are only reacting to the information we have. But God has another information. The information of spirituality. See, God created us first a spirit. Then an intellect. Oh, it all happened at once. He's a holy God. He has every right and every ability to judge us to death. Hey, even Christians. I'm holy, I'm holy only because Jesus lives inside of me. I am righteous because Jesus Christ lives inside of me. And that's the only two reasons that God gives me grace and favor. Not because of my intellect or my success or my fame or my ability or my ability to love. It's only because Jesus Christ lives inside of us as Christians. And the rest of the world lives in the mercy of God. Because he's at war with the universe. He wants to destroy his creation. He, he wants to destroy it. And so we, we come here to verse 14. And, and Roman, the Romans were the most powerful civilization in the world at that time. Ruled vast lands. And, and one of the things about the, the Romans were they were not merciful. They were brutal. And when you went against Rome... Their goal was to destroy completely and ultimately the army so that that community or those people or that land could not come back and war against them. So they put them under, under their, their, their grip without mercy. And in an instant, they would do away with people and whole nations if it need be. That's the way the Romans were. The people of Rome, confronted by Jesus Christ, did not understand that mercy. And they lived in a relationship with Christ that made them afraid of him. Made them afraid that he was going to come upon them and he was going to settle on them and he's going to destroy them and wipe them out because that's the way they were taught life was, living, was lived. 
Paul's trying to teach them mercy and how it works. And you'll notice that the example in here is not about Moses. Did you notice that? It's not about Jacob or Isaac. It's not about the nation of Israel. It's about a pagan king. He's teaching us mercy by a pagan king. His name was Pharaoh. Israelite was under their role. Israel was underneath their role. And he was in control of them. And he made their life horrible. So horrible, as they began to worship the living God, he took away the straw to make the bricks, and he said, I want the count to be the same. If not, I'm going to kill you. That's not mercy. And you'll say, then why is he choosing Pharaoh? Verse 17. And the scripture says to Pharaoh, I, will, I raised you up for this purpose, that I may, might display my power in you, that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Did you know what Pharaoh's desire was? To become the king of the world. He wanted to rule the world. He, he grasped after power wherever he went, whatever he did. And he took this man who, when he spoke, they wrote every word because he told them that he was a god. To be worshipped. Jesus, or God the Father, used mercy. Now listen to what this is. Listen to what this is. Pharaoh proclaimed that he was the strongest, greatest, wisest, most intellectual man of all the earth. Now, who does that sound like? Sounds like Satan to me, doesn't it? I'm going to be the strongest, most revered, and, and worshipped man on all the earth. God gave him mercy. He gave him mercy and his wicked, wickedness. And the wickedness grew in him and grew in him. And the power grew and spread and grew and spread. And, and Pharaoh says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dominate the world. I'm going to be in charge. My name is going to be proclaimed in all the earth. God said, I'm using you to show the power and authority of the living God. He took one man. Who was that man? Moses. Who came and he spoke before Pharaoh and he said, let my people go, the living God says. One man. Had to come back again. Let my people go. One man. You've all seen the Cecil B. DeMille's movie, right? Let my people go. One man. And then God moved. God didn't have to move very much, just maybe a half an inch, maybe a quarter of an inch. Ten plagues. He made fun of every one of the gods of the Egyptians with each plague. And the last God and the most deadly God was the God of death.
and he let death reign everywhere in Egypt in the Pharaoh's house down to the servant's house and the only people that were not bothered or touched by that death were the people who killed the lamb did what God said put it on their post and they stayed in their house and they lived Let me tell you something, man. You do not know the power of God. That night, healthy, virile men who were soldiers, who were in the armed service, they were the firstborn, their family was proud of them. Those healthy men died that night. Not a shot was fired. Not a shot was fired. One man let my people go. Pharaoh's son died. His servants, firstborn, died. And there is nobody who does not talk about the Old Testament, who does not talk about the living God defeating the greatest civilization known to mankind at that time, who had the greatest army, who sent that army after these people that he let go. They had no army. They had no spears. They may have had a few arrows. And they they came to the Red Sea, and, and, and they parted by the hand of God. Pharaoh can't do that. That army marched in after him, and it closed in on him, and the whole army was killed by drowning. Whole army. The greatest army on earth. What are you saying about mercy? His mercy is so complete and so holy that he uses our wickedness to proclaim his name. What do you mean, Mike? He uses our wickedness. He took that which meant by the enemy, Satan, to bring death to man and mankind and every person that is born a woman. The spiritual death where there is no relationship with God. When we are utterly, utterly sinful which should be destroyed. He took that wickedness and gave it to his son who took it to the cross, paid the price of our sin so that he could be manifested in us through Jesus Christ. He took our sin and put us in mercy until Jesus Christ could die, be raised again on the third day. I don't know about you people, that's powerful. He took our wickedness given to us by the fall and used it to redeem the most precious thing he created, mankind. He is holy. Do you understand how holy he is? How complete he is. <coughs> that 
which you and I throw away in humanity, he redeems. Listen up. That which you and I discard, discount, criticize, he redeems. No amens? Amen? Amen? Amen. In the Gospels it said, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. You ever read that? Go find it. I don't know where it's at. It's there. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. It's one of the Gospels. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Did you ever say that? I say it. Not all the time. I used to say it all the time. When I was in State Line, Pennsylvania, I was going through such a difficult time that that church had split. When I got there, it split. Me coming there didn't cause a split. I want you to understand that. But, but it split, and then I had to, having never pastored a full-time church in my life, had to um, put it back together. Well, I can't do that. I can't do that. So I, 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 God taught me this. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And I began to pray it because I needed God's wisdom. I needed God's understanding. I needed his ability to be strong and wise, to understand things I'd never faced before in my entire life. I needed to understand things in people's lives that I did not understand. And I needed him to give me strength and power and authority. So I needed him to give me mercy, to negate my weakness and sinfulness and manifest him in my life so I could be the pastor. Boy, he had an awful lot to work with me. I mean, he just needed to teach me so much. And I said that every day, several times a day. Two things. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy. Jesus, please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Jesus, Son of David. People would come up to me and, and, and say things to me I had no answer for. But eventually God gave me an answer. They probably thought I was the most ignorant pastor they ever had in their life. I was. I was. But the Lord God Almighty was faithful enough to have mercy on me. So you're struggling today. That's okay. Can you imagine Moses... He couldn't even talk straight, and he sent him to Egypt to talk to the most. Did you know the, the, the Egyptians were the most educated people on earth at that time? To, to let his people go. God changed him. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible.